Well, the theme this morning is praying for friends. And uh, I did that once, but I still haven't got any. Um, no, it's, it's praying for friends to come to know Jesus. And um, we've just heard a little bit about Saul's conversion. I'll be looking uh, a bit more at that. And of course, uh, much of the New Testament is really about him um, going around the, the lands and uh, proclaiming the good news that people might come to know Jesus. In our 11 o'clock service, we're going to be um, painting the nails of some of the children, and um, just as a bit of fun at the start of the service. Uh, but the, the point being that actually we don't have to dress up Jesus Jesus is sufficient on his own. Whilst we might um, want to give a, a rightly attractive message, actually we don't need to um, say, oh, you know, come along, it's all razzmatazz or bling or whatever um, thing you might say. Um, actually, Jesus is sufficient. When we introduce people to Jesus... In a way, he speaks for himself. There's all sorts of things we might say from the Bible, but we don't have to add anything. And uh, I was just thinking about that in relation to this passage in Isaiah. In fact, we're going to sing about this later on. Jesus grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And uh, it goes on, he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. We've all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's an amazing passage, that amazing prediction, many hundreds of years before, um, or prophecy, before Jesus was on the earth. And uh, I think when we look at Paul's ministry, he's, um, he's quite black and white, like this passage is really, about who Jesus is and what Jesus went through. Um, and actually his message was sufficient in those days as it is today in uh, bringing many people to come to know Jesus. We're thinking about praying for friends, and um, I was just thinking about Jesus' ministry, and where does he pray for his friends? And there's a very significant one. Um, can you think of it? John 17, very good, excellent. That's not the one I was going to talk about. Um, 
But there's, no, it's, that's very good, James. Excellent. Um, it's actually John 11, I was thinking of, where Jesus prays for Lazarus. So, yes, he does pray for his friends in Gethsemane, but a specific um, prayer for a friend. And um, I'm just going to read a little bit of that to you. So, um, this is when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And in John 11, verse 41, it says this. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So there's different responses here. Jesus' good friend, Lazarus, who he raises from the dead. It's a remarkable story, a remarkable piece of history, really. Now, some people put their faith in Jesus, but some told on him. They went and told the Pharisees, I think, in order to get him into trouble. It seems that way, the way it's written. So even if you raise someone from the dead, or God uses you to do that, you may still get opposing reactions. It says many put their faith in him, but some went and told the Pharisees. And some said, golly gosh, Jesus seems to be a terribly nice bloke. Well, that's not recorded in here. I think with a real encounter with Jesus, there's no opportunity for a neutral response. I think you either get a positive or a negative reaction when there's a real encounter with Jesus. When we talk to friends or neighbours or colleagues about Jesus, we can leave them thinking, I'm glad so-and-so is my friend, and it's kind of nice that they go to church, but it's not really for me. That's a sort of neutral reaction. It's a shame when people react like that. And maybe we just need to say a little bit more about who Jesus is uh, that we learn from the Bible and from our own relationship with him. Uh, Well, let's have a look at today's passage. So Saul, he had already reacted to Jesus. He'd already had that negative response, or rather to Jesus' followers. He was actually pursuing Christians, those who belonged to the way, in order to have them put to death. God could have struck him down dead with a bolt of lightning in order to protect his followers. Or he could have changed Saul's mind to go somewhere else. But God 
wanted Saul. He could see his zeal and fervor. So there's a few things to take note of in this passage. Firstly, Jesus calls Saul by name. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then Jesus introduces himself. And Jesus gives Saul an instruction, go to the city, there you'll be told what to do. And Saul, encountering Jesus, responds by asking who Jesus is. Who are you, Lord? The people around are speechless by all that's happening. Saul opens his eyes, but he cannot see. And I think he's possibly still blind to the sinfulness of his persecutions at that stage. Saul is led by the hand. And it's only later, three days later, does that remind us of anything? It's only three days later when Ananias obediently places his hands on Saul and that Saul receives the Holy Spirit and Paul is able to see again. Well, this encounter with Jesus must have had a huge influence on Paul's teaching. Paul's teaching and preaching throughout the New Testament is rich with Jesus at the center. I'm just going to read a little snippet from uh, Colossians. I think this, in some ways, summarizes that preaching and teaching. It's Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Some wonderful stuff in there, isn't there? Rooted and built up in him. What does that look like in your life? Where are your roots at the moment? Continuing to be built up in him, growing. Now, we often think of the road to Damascus as a Damascus road experience. That's what we call it sometimes. Um, And occasionally we hear of people having those experiences. But very often people come to faith gradually. But any real encounter with God has the same result, a changed life in some respect, or in every respect, perhaps. What sort of encounters with God do we find in the Bible? There's literally hundreds that are recorded. There are all sorts of... um, Stories in the Old Testament with the people, the prophets, the priests, the leaders encounter God through a pillar of cloud or fire, through a burning burning bush, um, through a face glowing, through supernatural strength, through wise words, visions, commands, in creation, even through a talking donkey. Uh, There's all sorts of encounters that people have with the living God. 
and they result in changed lives. In Jesus' ministry, recorded in the Gospels, people experience him through his teaching, preaching, parables, miraculous feeding, healing, raising from the dead, all sorts of others. You could count hundreds in the Gospels, really. And they all result in changed lives, some through ordinary encounters and some through really extraordinary encounters. Although you could say that any encounter with Jesus is extraordinary. And then in Paul's preaching and teaching, people experience Jesus when Paul is in prison, when he's defending himself in front of the authorities, on boats, through powerful letters, all leading to change lives. Not just then, but throughout the centuries. What strikes me as I think about the Old and New Testament characters who meet God is that they are all on the way. They don't yet have it completely, aside from Jesus himself. They are all in some sort of relationship with God. And as you know, relationships are exciting, they're complex, but they grow their lives have been changed by encountering God. And because they're on the way, um, they have to encounter God by spending time with him. They continue to communicate with him. And this is an example that Jesus sets for us, otherwise known as prayer. Uh, we've read a few times he went off by himself to be with his father I think that Saul's encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus gives us an example of how we might be with our father in prayer for our friends just before I mention those just to say it's, it's the community house of prayer this week at the Western Hub um, Tuesday night and there's also the regular prayer meeting here every Tuesday as well so there's some opportunities to pray when you come along why don't you tell each other which friends you're praying for your neighbours and whoever else encourage each other anyway um, <clears throat> so firstly with Saul's encounter that we know our friends by name. God calls Saul by name. That we know a little bit about them. God says, why do you persecute me? He knows all about Saul, of course, but we know little bits about our friends. People appreciate it if we get to know them. It's not strictly necessary. If God gives you a particular word for someone you don't know, um, then you give it. But generally speaking, uh, you're praying for friends and neighbours and people that you know. Pray for them by name. Secondly, uh, we can introduce them to Jesus. Spend time asking God how you can do this. Not in your own strength, but because God shows you how. Thirdly, give them 
an invitation, an instruction. God says to Saul, go into the city. There you'll be told what to do. Um, I'd suggest you don't say to your friends, follow Jesus or you will rot in hell. Um, I find people tend to think you're a bit of a, a fruitcase rather than it being fruitful, if you say that sort of thing. Um, but maybe invite them to a barbecue or a football match or a walk or Eurovision or whatever thing you want to invite them to. Um, whatever it is, so that they can encounter people who follow Jesus. So invite other friends from church as well. Or better still, get yourself invited to something that they are doing. Then you'll get to know them better. You'll find out what interests them and their friends. Ask God what would be a good instruction or invitation for your friends. Fourthly, pray that God would reveal to them sin in their lives. Saul has a dramatic turnaround from being the greatest of sinners to actually being one of the greatest evangelists. Pray that God would reveal sin in their lives that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit so that they would live a life of love and of sacrifice and service and of great joy in Jesus. Well, just as uh, with Jesus' friends, Lazarus is... Um, sorry, just as with uh, Jesus' friend Lazarus, people reacted in different ways. And in response to Paul's ministry, people reacted to Jesus in different ways. And people will react in different ways when we pray for and spend time with our friends. But what a joy it is to see a life changed by Jesus. I think it's the best feeling in the world. When someone comes to know Jesus, the lights come on, and you think, yes, they got it. They know who Jesus is. They have a relationship with him. They know Jesus. And alternatively, what a disappointment it is when people are left with the option of, Jesus is a terribly nice bloke. We don't want people to think that. We want people to know that he is the son of the living God, that he's alive today, that he lives in us. So let us grow together in this as a church that is on the way. Encourage with one another with stories of the miraculous as well as the ordinary. And as we're encouraged, let's continue to pray that people will ask the question, Who are you, Lord? And hear in reply, I am Jesus.